Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Recently, the League of American Bicyclists ranked Utah as the eighth most bike-friendly state in the U.S., rising from the number 14 spot last year. With an increase in bike promotion, bike-related fundraising, and commuting, and an overall growth in bike culture across Utah, biking advocates and anxious drivers alike are speaking up. And today on Access Utah, we have uh, several cyclists who will share their experiences sharing the road in Utah. We're looking for an insider's perspective on the relationship between cyclists and drivers, and we'll discuss road safety in addition to the health and sustainability benefits of cycling, the finances of it as well. We'd love to hear your experiences, uh, whether it's as a cyclist or a driver. You can reach us at 1-800-826-1495 or upraxcess at gmail.com. We're on Facebook, Utah Public Radio, and on Twitter, we are at Utah Public Radio. So we welcome in uh, cyclists uh, Matt Jorgensen. Uh, Matt Jorgensen in Salt Lake City, thanks for joining us. You bet. Uh, Lazon White, also from Salt Lake City. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Rob Lathan from Salt Lake City. Are you there? Hey, hello. Hi. Hello. And Darren Campbell from Harriman. Thanks for joining us. Yes, I'm here. Do we have Lazon White with us? Yeah. I'm oh, here. there, there you are. Okay. Let me start with um, with uh, Lazon White, uh, and I'll, I'll ask each of you the same questions. We cycle around. These are some of the same questions that we asked our. Uh, Layman experts, as we sent out a query on the Public Insight Network, and uh, and you folks responded, so we're we're happy to have you on with us. Um, you, I think, have um, y- you've not bought a car, I read, uh, and and you decided to uh, to commute by uh, bicycle. Why why is that? Well, it's both for uh, cost reasons. Obviously, having a bike is much cheaper than having a car because I don't have gas or insurance or car upkeep or the initial cost of the car. But it's also for um, health and sustainability reasons as well. I uh, I found that by biking, I'm much more active. I just feel better throughout the day. And then I also feel great that I'm not really polluting as much. Uh, Matt Jorgensen, uh, similar question. You, I don't know if you commute by bike every day, what, but, uh, but what got you into cycling? Um, what got me into cycling, I, I just kind of had an interest in um, uh, exercise, um, just kind of a bike culture. Um, I probably commute two to three times a week. Um, I uh, work in a place that's a little bit uh, harder to get to, so uh, commuting is not quite as easy, but uh, I feel pretty strongly about at least uh, doing it a few times a week. So, so yeah, I mean, it was a combo of, um, of uh, just wanting to... Uh, 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 it was kind of a financial, part, partly financial, partly fitness, um, and then and then also sustainability. Um, I know we kind of have a pollution problem here in Salt Lake City, so anything I can do to kind of not contribute to that is important to me as well. I understand, Matt and Rob, you have to leave us uh, in about 15 minutes. Is that is that true? Uh, yeah. So I'll, I'll concentrate on the two of you a little more here in the in the first 15 minutes. But it's okay with the other two. Uh, Rob, uh, very interesting. I'm I'm reading. In fact, you have a blog, Big Rob's uh-huh. Bike Blog. I'll plug that yeah, for you. Uh, in that, you talk about how you recently, I think, gave up your car, went to biking full time. Yeah, I totally ditched the car and uh, kind of embraced the whole full-time bike commuter thing. Uh, how's it been? This is the, this has been just in March, I think. Yeah, it was just near the middle of March. It's been awesome. I mean, I've been really happy with the whole decision to kind of, I mean, embrace it and go full-time with it. And I think it's like anything. I think that and the more you do it, the more active you are with it, the more you're going to get used to it. So I thought it would be this big, huge undertaking, and now I've gotten to the point where I'm commuting probably a total of close to 20 miles a day, and I'm, you know, perfectly adjusted to it. It's not like I'm sore, super tired or anything. Now, you said, uh, I'm quoting from your blog, um, on March 17th of this year, uh, you say, I turned in my finance 2007 Super Impreza to the bank, freed myself from the shackles of a car payment, insurance, gas, and car maintenance. As I cleared out the last of my belongings out of the Subaru, a light sleet started to fall. <laughs> the winds picked up. My journey to becoming a badass full-time bicycle commuter began. Uh, I guess some poetic justice there. 
Yeah, so it's pretty much exactly like it happened. I was just getting the last of my stuff out, and it started snowing. And and luckily, I had, like, all the right gear. That's one really important thing is having the correct equipment. So I had, like, soft shell uh, biking pants I changed into that had, like, a fleece lining. So I'm not going to be riding down the road soaked. Yeah. Uh, so you got to be prepared. This is, yeah. as I'm reading the... Uh you know, the comments on our Public Insight Network and, uh, you know, talking to some cyclists, this is a phrase that I hear, I guess it's sort of the common phrase for a very committed cyclist, a badass. And I'm hoping I can say that on the radio. I, I, I think I can. <laughs> um, Lazan, you use that word. You, you say you admire the, uh, the the very committed cyclists, and I guess you're trying to join their ranks. Yeah, yeah, I I've noticed as I bike around in bad weather or whatever, then I usually still see a couple other people out on the roads, and I just love seeing people who are super committed, and it's great. Let's bring in Darren Campbell. Um, why do you cycle? Well, uh, I started off, I guess, commuting. Um, the idea was to save some money, you know, as I go to work and back, but... Uh, after about a year of that, I I got into the sport so much that I became more of a sport than a than a you know just a commute, and so uh, I just fell in love with it. I just I just love to get out there and, and ride as far as I can and as long as I can. You have an interesting uh, comment here on the on the Public Insight Network um, that you originally got into biking thinking you would save money on gas and <laughs> gym memberships. You yeah. found that wasn't the case. Uh, not for me, no. I mean, once once I got more serious into the sport, it became very much a a, a drag on on money. <laughs> it uh, it ends up costing quite a bit as far as you know race events and and uh, upkeep of the bike and and uh, you know just all of that. It really adds up quick, and so the money I thought I was going to save kind of backfired on me. Well, um, I'll have to uh, rely on on memory from our guests. One of you, I can't remember which right now, said that you that the commute to work was just not enough after a while. So you you drive your bike to work and then uh, then ride around, I guess, in lunchtime. Yeah, that that's me. Okay. I I uh, I used to like I said commute all the time, but uh, I realized I like to go on roads that weren't the roads that led to work and back. And so sometimes now I'll actually drive my bike to work and and then go to where I want to go um, and make it more of a joy for me as I ride, you know, the roads I'd like to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for the next five minutes or so, I'm, I'm going to concentrate on uh, on Matt and Rob since they need to leave us at about 20 past, um, and then we'll get to some of these similar questions with our other two guests. By the way, if you've just joined us, we're talking about uh, biking in Utah, uh, biking culture. Uh, do you feel safe on the road? Uh, do you commute? And uh, if so, uh, using your bike, Why? And what's your perspective as a cyclist and what's your perspective as a driver? We would love to have your perspective at 1-800-826-1495. Are things getting better or worse? That's another question. Uh, you can join us by email to upraxis at gmail.com. On Twitter, it's at Utah Public Radio, and uh, you can join us on uh, our Utah Public Radio Facebook page as well. Um, so, uh, Matt Jorgensen, this is a question we asked to everyone in the Public Insight Network. Uh, we got some very interesting responses. Uh, have you ever witnessed or been involved in, a, in an accident on, on the bike? I have not witnessed or been involved in an accident, thank goodness. Yeah, yeah, that, that is good. Um, what changes, if any, would you, would you implement if you had the power to, to make uh, your town, I think that Salt Lake City, more bike-friendly? Um, I like the idea of the uh, protected bike lanes. Um, I know uh, along uh, 3rd East, uh, there's a small section that has that. Um, I really like that little portion. I feel a little bit safer right there, which is really nice. Um, probably the, be, the, be the biggie is, is making uh, bike lanes more obvious and a little bit more um, uh, just protected from, from cars and from traffic. Do you consider overall that uh, Salt Lake City is, is pretty bike-friendly? I do, actually. Um, I've biked to other places, uh, not necessarily on a day-to-day basis, but I think Salt Lake is uh, very bike-friendly, and uh, I, I tend to think that drivers are, for the most part, pretty conscious of, of uh, cyclists here, and uh, other cyclists are actually very uh, 
pretty much friendly, uh, more friendly to each other here than I've been uh, than I've seen other places. Mm-hmm. Rob Lathan, uh, have you been involved in an accident or, or seen one? I haven't. No. No. Yeah. Thank heaven. Yeah. Uh, what What changes, if any, would you implement to make uh, Salt Lake City more bike friendly? Um, other than protected bike lanes, it's just about pe- people being more aware because there can be all the lists released, you know, put us number 14th, number 8th, but really what it comes down to is the attitude of the people who are driving on the road about cyclists. Because if you're biking to work once in a while, you know, you're probably more aware of the guy on the road. So I think just p- get more people out there and get more people on bikes would be really, really helpful. Yeah. Um, and... and... I don't know what what would that critical mass be. I, I could see the logic of that. If you've got more and more people biking, then more and more drivers going to be aware of bikers. Um, right. Yeah. That, that's that's sort of the big thing. Just awareness. And I think that I mean, as the the population grows and as more people start to enter the valley, I mean, you're going to see sort of this effort go towards alternate transportation other than just your car you know so people taking advantage of the public transit and their bike i mean there's just so many options to get around in the city without a car it's really easy to do you mentioned uh, solar bike lanes in your in your public insight network uh, response mm-hmm. uh, solar roadways i guess uh, tell me about that yeah yeah, so, I mean, I've just I mean, seen a little bit of stuff here and there online about how, like, solar-charged roadways, the little uh, reflective strips are actually, like, photovoltaic, like, solar arrays that take in that energy and then kind of light up the uh, paint at night so that if you're riding down a bike lane, it would just be lit up naturally from the, you know, saved-up energy all day. I think that's sort of a cool way because riding at night can be especially sketchy, and you don't know if someone sees you if you're coming around a corner or something like that. So just anything to be more seen. I mean, riding with lights and everything, you know, making sure you're safe is very important. But just anything that can, anything else can get someone's attention is very helpful. You also mentioned uh, bike lanes in the middle of the street, like in parts of the East Coast. Uh, you say, I guess. Yeah, I was. I was back east recently, and I mean, just how they have their whole bike infrastructure, it's really, really built into the way everything runs. I mean, you go anywhere, and there's there's bikes in the bike lane, and they're usually protected and not, I mean, there's some sort of abutment that's separating them from the full traffic, so. Hmm. Um, back to uh, Matt Jorgensen. I uh, wonder uh, if there's anything else that you'd like to add in terms of making things uh, safer or, or improving relationships between bikers and drivers. I think the only other thing, uh, the only other thought that came to my mind is 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 more of a, a cultural change, um, getting more people exposed to, to bikes. Um, you know, I think once I became a cyclist uh, a few years ago is when I actually became aware of how to deal with cyclists on the road, and I, and I hate to admit that that it was a bit I was 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 very naive uh, before that. But uh, uh, you know, any way we can we can raise awareness um, on how to deal with cyclists, how to how to uh, coexist uh, drivers to cyclists would would be ideal. And I think getting more people on bikes and and having uh, maybe maybe businesses promote that more. Um, one thing that I'd love to see is is more of a, an investment in bicycle commuting by businesses. Um, offering maybe a, a dollar or two today a day to people who who ride uh, to work would be I think would be outstanding to to, to kind of just promote it. Uh, Paul in Cash Valley, uh, part of this uh, Pin Network, uh, he 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 said he uh, would support a goal of ten uh, percent of uh, highway revenues going to improve uh, cycling. I don't know if you'd support that. I'm sorry, say that again. Uh, the, I wonder if you'd support a, a goal of uh, 10% of uh, revenue from highways going to improve cycling. I, I think that would be a great, uh, a great uh, movement there. I mean, anything to uh, you know generate some revenue to to improve our infrastructure. I, I think we have such wide roads, and we have we have so much space out here. Um, that's you know partly that's. Uh, that's a, that's a downside in that it takes a while to get from point A to point B, and it makes needing a car more, 
uh, maybe not more necessary, but uh, a little bit more compelling. But uh, the space is also really nice because we can utilize that for uh, improving our, our cycling infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Just a last question for uh, for each of you, and then we'll uh, return to our other guests. Uh, first of all, uh, Matt, uh, what are your favorite rides? Um, I'm really uh, a really big fan of the uh, the canyons. Um, I live downtown, so I have uh, very good access to, to the canyons. I'm a pretty big fan of uh, probably uh, Big and Little Mountain uh, and Lambs Canyon, probably are my favorite. Great. And uh, Rob Latham, uh, your favorite rides? Um, I'd say City Creek Canyon. It's really pretty, really close to downtown. You can ride right up it, about seven miles all the way up the canyon, and then come flying down it. So it's a quick... You can get it done in like an hour and a half if you wanted to. All right. Well, uh, we'll, uh, we'll plug your blog again, BigRobsBikeBlog.com. Uh, Rob Latham has been our guest. So thank you so much. Thank you. And uh, Matt Jorgensen has been with us as well. Thank you. You're welcome. We will continue following a break with Lazon White. And uh, we'll also um, be uh, speaking with you, we hope, and we'll have uh, with us as well Darren Campbell from Harriman. We're asking you uh, what your perspective is on the relationship between cyclists and drivers, discussing road safety, health and sustainability, and financial benefits of cycling. I'd love to hear your experiences uh, reading through these responses on the Public Insight Network. Some pretty harrowing experiences in terms of uh, collisions between cars and uh, and riders, of course, the rider is always going to lose that one. Uh, we'd love to hear your experiences, positive or negative, as a cyclist or as a driver. The number is 1-800-826-1495. You can join us by email to upraxis at gmail.com. And uh, if you'd like to get a comment to, to us on Twitter, it's at Utah Public Radio. More following the break. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and the Utah Humanities Council empowering Utahns to improve their communities through active engagement in the humanities. Online at utahhumanities.org. And USU Lyric Repertory Theater presents A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum, combining situations from time-tested comedies of ancient Rome to the infectious energy of classic vaudeville, June 12th through August 2nd. Information at arts.usu.edu lyric. Hi, it's Lynn Rossetto Casper. Have you ever wondered who actually owns a food? Kale or wheat, well, that you can grow just about anywhere. But what about something like quinoa from the Andes, where the most nutritious strain only grows in one area? Be sure to join us. That's this week on The Splendid Table from APM. Tuesday morning at 10 on Utah Public Radio. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. We are talking about uh, cycling in Utah. In other words, uh, you get on your bicycle. How committed are you? And uh, we've been talking with several people who uh, gave up their car. They commute and get around on their bikes. Uh, others, uh, it's kind of a mix of the both. Uh, do you uh, ride for recreation, for health, for sustainability, uh, for finances? And how is it out there on the road? Do you feel safe? What improvements do you think could be made? for cyclists, or perhaps from the perspective of a driver. What's your experience been? We're asking you, uh, and the number is 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495. Email is upraxis at gmail.com, upraxis at gmail.com. And you can join us on Twitter at Utah Public Radio, also Facebook. Uh, Lazon White want to talk to you about uh, safety. Have you been involved or witnessed accidents? Um, yeah, actually, I was in a in an accident a, about a year ago. I was biking and a car turned right in front of me and I didn't have time to stop and I just slammed right into the side of it. Um, and that one kind of shook me up a little bit, had to get some stitches. It wasn't too bad, fortunately. Mm-hmm. Um but other than that, I've just been involved in a couple, actually, of little just, like, grazes and things that just keep me aware that other cars out there aren't really seeing me. But Yeah, I was going to ask you what, what the effect has been uh, reading some other responses. One gentleman said uh, after his first accident, that emboldened him. 
and he decided to be, uh, he didn't use the word aggressive, but to be assertive, make sure cars saw him right in the middle of the lane, that kind of thing. Then he had another accident, and uh, now he doesn't be a, want to be around cars. I guess it could it could go either way. Yeah, definitely. Uh, after after my first accident, then I was more aggressive about it, I guess, like him, and wanted to be seen because I didn't want to be involved in a more serious accident. Let's turn to Darren Campbell. What what about you? Have you been involved in or witnessed an accident? Uh, I haven't been involved in one myself, thank goodness, but actually just Saturday over the weekend I witnessed one while uh, riding in a group of, of guys going up uh, American Fork Canyon in Utah County. And, and uh, it was kind of the fault of the, the cyclist as well as as a, an inpatient motorist. Um, you know, we were we were headed up in, in the line, this single file on the far right side of the road, and the road kind of narrows at certain points, and a car behind us uh, decided to pass our group. And uh, as it passed, it made the oncoming traffic or the traffic coming down the canyon come to an abrupt, abrupt stop. And and there was a cyclist coming down following a car, and they were following too closely. Didn't have time to stop and slammed right into the back of the of his vehicle. And this... Uh, the guy was pretty shaken up. He was okay, but uh, his bike was pretty mangled, and he uh, he was okay. But it just shows, you know, um, the impatience sometimes of motorists can cause a chain reaction. And even though the cyclist was probably following way too close coming down the canyon, it just the cyclist is always the one that will get hurt. Yeah, uh, this is kind of a theme I'm reading in this uh, responses to our Public Insight Network uh, query. Uh, construction zones, uh, other areas, and drivers get impatient and, and don't wait to get around the the cyclist. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, you see impatience all the time, and that's, that makes things scary sometimes. Yeah. By the way, uh, cycling is being used more and more for fundraising. It's, it's kind of a nice fit. People get out and, and, and do something healthy and raise some money. And just want to mention that uh, UPR is a sponsor of this year's Cash Grand Fondo. That's a cycling event organized by Logan Regional Hospital. It's happening on Saturday, June, July 11th. They're planning on about 1,000 participants. has 50-mile and 100-mile courses. And uh, all proceeds from the ride will help to fund uh, mammograms for, uh, for women who need them and uh, can't pay. So just wanted to mention that. We have uh, eight committed riders who will be riding for UPR. So thank you to them. So Darren Campbell, uh, in this Public Insight Network um, response, you uh, told of a couple of uh, pretty scary experiences that maybe those in the cars wouldn't even think of that way. One in, uh, tell us about that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've had, you know, you get all sorts of things that uh, you wouldn't expect being on a bike, and sometimes it makes you laugh, sometimes it's, you, you get a little scared, but, you know, I've had uh, instances where, well, one in particular, while I was climbing just in a neighborhood, up a kind of a steep incline, out of the saddle, riding uphill, and a car was coming down, and I could tell it was a group of teenagers, and I don't know if they were on their way to school or where they were headed to, but... Um, as they passed, I could see something coming out of the corner of my eye and quickly ducked and, and, and realized it was a pop uh, or soda can and it exploded next to me. And I thought, <laughs> scared, it scared me to death, for one thing. And then, oh boy, that could have been really bad for me. But, uh, you know, it just, it just you get things thrown at you sometimes. Other times I've been shot at with uh, <laughs> uh, an airsoft gun. I, I could hear some pinging against my bike frame and realized that somebody was shooting at me from the back of their porch as I was riding up a hill, and and it was just a kid shooting at me, using me as a target uh, with his airsoft gun. So you get all sorts of kind of crazy things, and some of them are funny. Some of them are pretty scary. Yeah, you wonder what people are thinking, and maybe that's the key. They're not thinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I could hear that the teenagers kind of laugh as, as they went by, and, you know, it wouldn't have been funny if it would have hit me, but thank goodness it didn't. Yeah. Uh, we bring in uh, Margaret in Vernal. Margaret, glad you called. Go ahead with your question or comment. Oh, good morning. Good morning. Um, well, this comment is sort of a little different. Um, uh, I wonder why no one is talking about making special bicycle lanes separate from the motorways. Um, they, they are in Europe. In fact, there was one part in England 
even when I was uh, uh, young, um, that we were able to ride on completely away from the traffic. And uh, we've got quite a lot of room over here, and um, I wonder why they're not being done. So, so you're talking about bike lanes not as a part of the roadway, but completely separate? But adjacent to it. Yeah, yeah. Parallel to it. Mm-hmm. I've yeah. seen I've seen a few of those. For example, in uh, Bear Lake area in Garden City, there's there's one that I'm familiar with. But you don't see many, uh-huh. do you? In in uh, in Utah. Well, uh, there was there was one that uh, when I rode to school as a as a child, which is as you know years ago, um, we had in in England, um, and it was sort of quite a relief not to have to um, deal with even any traffic at all. Yeah, uh, I wonder, Lausanne, what what do you think about that? Yeah, I definitely think that uh, removing cyclists from the road would be a good idea. Um, It's just a lot of cars don't see you. They don't realize that you're there. But if you're removed, then that takes off a lot of the stress and concern for our safety. Mm -hmm. Margaret, I wonder what, what, you know, the probably cultural differences, traditions... Did they have a lot of those lanes, separate lanes, in England when you were there? Well, I don't really know because um, I, I do know that there's one, this one part uh, on my way to school, and I, I didn't cycle too often because it was 13 miles each way and rather hilly. But mm-hmm. um, that was the only one I really knew about. Mm-hmm. And, uh, again, uh, it was sort of wartime, so we didn't travel around very much. Yeah. I'm trying to remember and the... Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I, uh, the the other place in in was, was in um, the in Holland, where actually motor motor cars um, stopped for bicycles and gave them the right of the road, which surprised me intensely at that time. Oh, interesting, interesting. Yeah, yes. yeah. Well, that it's... was in 1952, though. Yeah, yeah. And I have no idea whether it's still the same. Right. Well, thanks, Margaret. But the other one would be more like the. Um, the 30s, it was before World War Two that this um, particular um, bicycle lane had been built. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Mark. Which Margaret. I think is a really good idea. Yeah, that is a, a good idea. Yeah. Appreciate and you. We've got plenty of room in this country to be able to do things like that. Yes, we certainly do. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Margaret. Um, I'm trying to remember the situation out in Vernal. I, I go out frequently. It's my hometown. Um, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't recall a, a special effort to put in uh, bike lanes. Probably typical of many towns in, in Utah. I'd love to hear about your town. Uh, you can call and tell us the situation, what you'd like to uh, see improved. Perhaps uh, we'd love to get the perspective of a driver. Uh, maybe you're annoyed by all the cyclists. Uh, we'd like to see them segregated out to a separate bike lanes somewhere. The number is 1-800-826-1495. You can join us by email to upraxis at gmail.com. And on Twitter, it's at Utah Public Radio. We are talking with uh, cyclists on the program. We're talking with uh, Lazan White in Salt Lake City and Darren Campbell from Harriman. And we'd love to have your perspective as, as well. Uh, Darren Campbell, I wonder, one of the commenters on the Public Insight Network, we, we sent out a query and got a lot of response back. I think there's a lot of people who want to talk about cycling. Uh, one person said, uh, you shouldn't ride far over on the shoulder. That actually doesn't help. You should be should confidently ride in the middle of the lane. That'll help uh, cars see you and respect you better. Yeah, I guess, I mean, that makes sense in a way, but... Uh you got to realize that if, if you're wrong on that, then, you know, it's, it won't be good for you. So for me personally, I'll, I'll ride over as far to the right-hand side as I, I feel comfortable with. And sometimes, you know, the, the main problem I see around my, my roads here in Harriman are the, you know, there's a lot of debris often in these, these shoulders, and it forces you as a, a guy riding a bike that doesn't have very wide tires to, ride out further in the road than you'd like to but you know I, I, I get the idea of where you want to be seen from other motor, motorists as they go and, and a lot of times you have to take a full lane in order to make it safe but as a general rule I try to ride over to the right hand side as, as far as I can get Lazan, what what's your attitude about that what do you what do you do on roads that have 
pretty wide shoulders, then I'll usually ride over on the shoulder. Mm -hmm. But if they don't have much of a shoulder, then I'm right in the middle of the lane because I like knowing that people aren't going to just be zooming right past me super close. And um, I want people to recognize that bikes belong on the road as well and kind of respect that. And that that, that brings up a point where they were talking about separate bike lanes away from the road. You know, I understand that as well, and and I enjoy that being away from traffic. But motorists have to realize that, you know, cyclists belong on the road just as much as a a vehicle does. And and so it doesn't necessarily solve the problem, I think, to take bikeless off the road entirely. They just need, everyone just needs to become more aware that they can be there and they are there. Some of the respondents here in, the, in, the, in this uh, the query that we put out uh, talked about some scary situations where cars or trucks or large vehicles would come so close to a cyclist that you, you feel that you're sort of getting sucked in by the draft. I, don't, I wonder if either yeah. of you have had that experience. Yeah, I mean, any time you ride on a road, uh, kind of a wide open country road, and, and you know that there's semis on it, uh, you, can feel, um, you can feel your bike get pulled into kind of the, the section of the draft uh, as it passes. And depending on how fast they go, it, uh, it increases that uh, suction. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they'll get so close that uh, you feel like you're, you're in grave danger. And so um, you get that a lot. Let's go to another caller. Uh, this is Jennifer in Vernal, I believe. Uh, hello. Y- yes, hello. Yes, this is Jennifer, and I'm in Vernal. And, yeah. um and we're talking about um, whether there are designated bike lanes here. Perhaps you've heard of a guy named Bob Williams. Yes, <laughs> I've heard of Yes. He, <laughs> he provided uh, money for, for the school. For the school, USU, yeah. And there's, I, what I'm seeing is a definite pattern uh, with uh, when you're, the closer you get to, uh, a college-slash-university environment, I, the more awareness you see. And so what you'll see now is a designated bike lane both sides of the highway up, going up the Mazer Highway uh, up toward both the high school, which is on the opposite side of the college, and there's room for bicycles on the new roundabout where they've made that big X, basically, with the with the Utah State Bull in the middle, the Aggie Bull. And um, in the meantime, for those who are not, you know, inclined in that direction, there's Let's Play Scare the Hell Out of the Bicyclist. Hmm. And um, it's played <laughs> wow. by, you know, young males in pickup trucks. And not that long ago, I was riding my bike back from Naples, and some guy yelled out the window, get a job. Really? So I'm not sure how, you know, having a bicycle would indicate unemployment. But in this kid's mind, you know, if I had a job, I'd be driving a car. Hmm. I guess that's what he was thinking. But uh, in the one particular incident that I remember the best is there was a very well-dressed woman in a $50,000 SUV and really close to home. I just live uh, near IGA, and, well, I'm just north of Betty's Cafe. Well, anyway, this woman, you know, she just basically killed, she would have killed me if I hadn't scooted over in a hurry, okay? And she didn't seem to have a problem with it. She didn't want me to be there. Well, anyway, um, I, uh, I was upset. So I started riding really fast, caught up with her, and I said, excuse me, ma'am, but did you see me back there? And her response was, should you be out on the street? You know, it felt like I was a gutter snipe or something. Hmm. So what I'm saying is there's this kind of underlying attitude on the part of some people that bicyclists are, you know, pond scum, and um, they, they really, and, and maybe they think, well, you're not paying gas taxes. So you're not paying for these roads, but what they're not realizing is um, you're not paying for puking up the air either, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah good, good point. You don't see it the way you see mm. it, but I think that really without an attitude adjustment, there will continue to be these uh, hostilities between 
drivers who love their cars and bicyclists who um, don't really want to, you know, why would you want to burn gas to go like three miles? pretty dumb, but they don't see it that way. Wow. Anyway, that's just a little input from Bernal. Yeah, well, thank, thanks for that, Jennifer. That sounds like some work needs to be done in relationships out there. <laughs> thanks, Jennifer. Like Appreciate I say, that. Like up around the school, there's a different attitude, so there's hope. Yeah. So, okay, well, thank okay. you. That's Jennifer and Bernal. You can call as okay. well, 1-800-826-1495. 1-800-826-1495. What is cycling like in your town? And uh, here's another response from Vernal. Uh, this is from Glenn. He says, with the oil boom, the influx of new move-ins, and the slow changes to infrastructure, riding a bike on the roads here uh, would probably cancel one's life and health insurance even with a 100% deductible. In short, there's no accommodation for bikes, and it's very dangerous. I'm restricted to trails. That's Glenn in the Uinta Basin. So thanks for that, Glenn. Um, I, I wonder, um, to, turning back to our, our guest, Darren Campbell, have you, uh, hopefully things are not as bad in Harriman. No, they're not. I don't think so. But, uh, you know, you, Things happen still, and, and uh, you have to be very careful. And I, I you know, I, I feel like the benefits, the health benefits, outweigh the risks of cycling, and so that's why I continue to do it. But yet, I still feel in the back of my mind, you know, this this worry that uh, you know I won't come home, you know, or 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 I'll get hurt. And anyway, I hate hate having to feel like I'm putting my life in danger when I'm just riding a bike, you know, mm-hmm. and I think there's nothing greater than riding a bike, but sometimes you feel like you're in danger, and and I agree that cyclists need to be, you know, just as careful. I mean, it's their lives that uh, are on, on the line, so um, there needs to be respect both ways, but uh, in my experience, it's been uh, pretty scary sometimes riding your bike, but I, I still feel like it, the, the benefit outweighs the risk. Lausanne, have you had any experiences approaching these that we heard about in, in Vernal, the Uinta Basin? Um, not too much. I feel like here in Salt Lake, people are usually pretty aware, and I often get the opposite. People um, will stop and pull over and tell me other ways that I could be seen easier from a car's perspective, which I found to be really, really helpful because where I don't drive and I don't, always see how the drivers see cyclists. So. Uh, we got, we got a, a couple of tweets from Corey. He says, glad I'm not the only cyclist who gets harassed. Um, and um, he, uh, he then goes on to uh, cite a, an experience. Let me pull this up again. Uh, he says, uh, almost every day, responding to the question of, uh, I guess, altercations with cars, he said, I got run, ran, ran off the road last Saturday by a pickup pulling a trailer pretty scary um so yeah there's some experiences out there we're going to take a break and uh, when we come back we have some more comments uh, on uh, twitter we'd love to have you join us uh, by phone to 1-800-826-1495 and by email to upraccess at gmail.com more on cycling in your town following the break Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and Crumb Brothers Artisan Bread in Logan. Open for breakfast Monday through Friday at 7 a.m. and Saturdays at 8 a.m. Featuring Croque Madame and Croque Monsieur, made with sourdough bread, ham, and cheese. Menu details at crumbbrothers.com. I need your help. This is my 1969 American Motors Rebel. It's an orphan car since AMC died years ago, but there's a reunion in Kenosha, Wisconsin on July 26th. The whole family's going, but we're not taking the Rebel. I don't feel comfortable driving that car because it is old and not reliable. We'll be in a Toyota minivan. I need your help for the middle part. After the AMC show and maybe Mount Rushmore, we don't know where to stop and what to see. Do you know a great place to see? A terrible place we should avoid? Is there something you're curious about between Utah and Wisconsin? We can check it out. Brian Champagne is a professor of journalism and communication at Utah State University. Help direct his vacation and he'll report live from the road in July and August. Visit upr.org and click on Run My Road Trip. 
You're listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. We have another eight minutes left in the program. We're talking about uh, cycling. Are you a cyclist? Are you a driver? We've heard some, I guess you describe them as horror stories, especially in Vernal and the Una Basin. Uh, I'm only laughing out of nervousness. I, I don't mean to uh, minimize this. This is, uh, it's, some of these experiences are just horrible. Uh, we've heard from others of our guests and, uh, and callers who have uh, painted a, not a totally safe picture, but a little better picture in terms of uh, cyclists and drivers getting along. And we're asking how cycling is in your town. Um, I've, I've heard from people in Moab, for example, that uh, they're, they're making a big effort there. We've heard from guests in Salt Lake and Harriman that uh, there there are some attempts, at least. And uh, a couple of our guests have said Salt Lake City they consider a pretty bike-friendly town. Still, more work could be done, and uh, we're asking you what you think should be done. The number is 1-800-826-1495. 1-800-826-1495. We'd love to hear your experiences whether as a cyclist or a driver. Um, and you can join us at, by email to upraxis at gmail.com, upraxis at gmail.com, or to Twitter. It's at Utah Public Radio. And we have this retweet from Bike MS Utah. Every day, uh, uh, do you feel the benefits of riding outweighs the risk? We'll uh, pose that question to you and our guests as well. Uh, by the way, the... Uh, the prevalence of uh, biking events for fundraising for charity is increasing, and UPR is a sponsor of this year's Cash Grand Fondo. That's a uh, a big event. They're planning on a thousand participants. It's happening Saturday, July twelfth, in the Logan area, organized by Logan Regional Hospital. Fifty mile and one hundred mile courses, and uh, cyclists of all ages and abilities are invited to ride. And all proceeds from the ride will help fund mammograms. UPR has a team in this year's uh, race, uh, or ride, I should say. Uh, so let me turn back to uh, Lazan White. Uh, this idea that from, uh, from our callers in Vernal, from Jennifer specifically, she felt that uh, things regarding cycling get better when you have a university nearby. I wonder if you've seen that or, or agree with that. Yeah, definitely. I don't know if it's... Um the I've actually I've lived both in Logan and in Salt Lake and I felt like both of those places um had were pretty bike friendly and um had places for bikes to go and people were more aware of cyclists and I think that's uh partly because a lot of college age kids don't want to spend the money for uh gas every time and so a lot of them have bikes just to run basic places and so um, I think that increases the awareness and makes things friendlier towards cyclists. Darren, I wonder if you agree. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, you know, I agree with the other earlier callers. As they said, the more bicyclists out there, the the better. And I think there's two reasons. It's because people become more aware or expect the bicyclists out there. Um, they They know that they will encounter them on the road. The second reason is because if you bike, you realize um, what it takes to see us, or, or you know, they they realize that uh, it's dangerous, and so they're more careful as they drive. And you know, I, I drive a car and and ride my bike, and it's made me a lot more careful. And I think you find that probably closer to universities where there's a lot of cyclists. And so, I think the main goal for getting it safer around here is to get more people out there, not less, but more. And I think it will improve things quite a bit. Uh, Darren, I wonder, uh, to this specifically this question, do you feel the benefits of riding outweighs the risk? Uh, that must be a frustrating question. The, the, it's, a, it's a valid question, but frustrating to a, to a cyclist. It, it, it is. Yeah, it is. I, I feel like I shouldn't have to ask that question because, you know, what's greater than, I mean, what's more American than riding your bike? And um, But, yeah, I, I definitely think it is. Uh, the benefits do weigh, outweigh the risk, and otherwise I wouldn't do it. Yeah. Um, and, and there's both, but uh, it does outweigh the risk. But unfortunately, you do have to ask that question. Uh, here's a comment from uh, uh, on our Public Insight Network uh, query. Uh, Rishan uh, says, I love being on my bike, all the benefits that go along with it. The beauty is knowing that uh, by me being on my bike, I'm not only taking care of myself, but I'm helping the environment and doing my part to try to foster change in my community. Uh, 
If I can do it, there's no reason why someone else can't follow suit. Lausanne, I wonder if you you agree. Yeah, definitely. Um, I always am hoping that by my example of cycling, I'll get a few of my friends a little more involved as well. And, you know, trying to make that change and just make people more aware of cyclists and uh, by the way, as we as we go along, I'd, and probably well, we just have about three minutes left in the conversation. I want to get Dave's comment in, and then uh, quickly get uh, uh, Lazana Darren's favorite rides. Uh, by the way, charity rides that are being mentioned in this in this public insight network query are uh, Bike MS and uh, Latoja is is mentioned, and many others. And uh, UPR is uh, a sponsor this year of uh, the Grand Fondo. Yeah, which is happening on July 12th. This is what Dave in, uh, in Logan area says. I live in Logan. I ride my bike around town quite a bit and to work every day, which is about a mile one way. I'm always amazed by how many people in Logan seem to drive everywhere, even short trips in town. Sundays are really crazy because pretty much my whole neighborhood drives to the, the three to four blocks to the church. I rarely see anyone walking or riding a bike to church, even on a beautiful summer day. Needless to say, most of these folks are at least a little on the heavy side. That's what Dave says. Uh, Darren, I wonder what, uh, do you see a similar thing? Do you wonder similar things? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I like to commute. I like to go on long rides but uh, as well. But there's no reason why you can't get on a bike to go to you know, the grocery store. Um, even to school, I encourage my kids to ride their bikes to school. And, and uh, it's funny because I think riding around the school, though, can be some of the dangerous places to, to ride because, People are always in such a hurry, and and uh, it seems like uh, there's a lot of near misses near schools, which you know is always scary. So, yeah, but I, I agree. Any any place you can ride to that you feel comfortable riding, I, I think there's no reason why you shouldn't. We just have a uh, less than a minute left, so one sentence answers. Lazan, your favorite ride? Immigration. Of immigration, okay. And and Darren. Uh, Bill Cottonwood. Okay. Bill All right. Cottonwood. Very good. Much more to be said. We'll probably come back to this topic. Uh, we, we thank you very much. Lazan White, thanks for joining us. Yeah, yeah, no problem. And Darren Campbell, thanks. You bet. One more uh, plug. UPR is a sponsor this year of the Cash Grand Fondo. It's organized by Logan Regional Hospital, happening on uh, July 12th. And they're planning on about 1,000 participants. Um, has 50-mile and 100-mile courses. And proceeds uh, go to fund mammograms. We, uh, UPR, have a team of dedicated riders. Thank you to them in in the ride this year. Thanks for listening to Utah Public Radio. Commentator Richard Ratliff. So, what are we afraid of? I have heard people speak of fear a lot lately. Recently, I heard a couple of new graduates express their fear of life beyond high school. A business manager recently told me about an employee who was behaving unusually toward coworkers and management. Everything about the situation suggested that the employee was frightened, lashing out one moment, retreating and defensive the next. On a larger scale, I read about war in the Middle East and conflict in Ukraine, and the world watches, fearful of the possible outcomes and consequences. Closer to home, our own Tea Party rebellion in recent years seems mostly based upon fear. Several commercial radio and television programs cater to the fearful, and the rantings would be comical if not so scary. So, what are we afraid of? And what does fear do to our relationships and to our economy? Must we be so afraid? In previous commentaries, I have noted that healthy relationships are less expensive and more beneficial than unhealthy relationships at every level of consideration. Fear harms relationships. We become suspicious, build fences, buy weapons, hire police and armies, huddle in secrecy, retreat into protective caves, concoct slogans, seek alliances, and eventually fight in one way or another. So... What are we afraid of? The word boss often is not a friendly term, and being bossy is not a compliment. Why? Because the boss has the power to hurt me and would hurt me if he felt he had to. In fact, it sometimes may seem that money, buildings, materials, equipment, and almost anything else are more important to my boss than I am. 
I am subject to someone who has the power to cut off my economic lifeline at his whim with little recourse. It also is true in school and in society. There are those who have power over me and can exercise that power to hurt me. Bullies do it for fun, and I feel powerless in return. Oh, by the way, the boss and the bully, they probably act that way because they're afraid too. What are we afraid of? Getting hurt, and possibly hurt badly. The world can be a dangerous place. And there is another thing most of us fear, irrelevance. Simply, it means not mattering at all and being ignored. Prisons use solitary confinement. Teenagers and immature adults use cliques. Nations isolate their foes in irrelevance. A very savvy and compassionate person I know recently said, the answer is to make people feel safe and relevant. He understood that people are more important than all those other things and that good relationships are the key to their safety and in his business to healthy profits. He knows that his first job as an employer is to assure the safety and relevance of employees, to protect them and their welfare, to care enough to listen, to see and recognize the good they do. His care for them earns their loyalty in return. When mistakes occur, as they certainly will for all of us, punishment is not an issue. The response we learned from the quality revolution a few years ago was, how can I help? His second most important job is to nurture the relationships among his employees, the mutual respect and trust they share for one another. You see, the successful workplace is not so much a competition, as we often are told, but rather more of a symphony and dance. Likewise, for family, friendship, politics, and diplomacy. I shouldn't need as much armor in life as I do a well-tuned instrument and dancing shoes. And when we learn to make music and dance together, we can feel safe and relevant to the show. Consider the relationships. This is Richard Ratliff. Thanks for listening. Are you a discerning music fan? Bad songs about the Irish smiles, uh, what you got the Tura and the Lura, and more Lura. I mean, yeah. it's crazy. Sung by men with high voices. Tired of the musically uninteresting? Let me sing some of that to you here. Yeah, maybe later. How much later? Later, later. Okay. Or the overly earnest? You know, write songs, try to make the world a better place. There's a contradiction there, partner. We'll have you singing a different tune this weekend. Saturday evening at 6 and Sunday at noon on Utah Public Radio. Utah State University and fellow land-grant institutions are celebrating 100 years of cooperative extension established by the Smith-Lever Act of 1914. The act was introduced to expand the vocational, agricultural, and home demonstration programs in rural America with its network of county offices delivering educational programs at the grassroots level. Kudos to USU Extension for a century of responding to critical and emerging issues with research-based, unbiased information. Access Utah is a production of Utah Public Radio. You can listen to this episode or previous episodes of Access Utah anytime at upr.org, where you can find a link to subscribe to our podcast. This is Utah Public Radio, KUSR HD1 Logan, KUSK HD1 Vernal, KUSL HD1 Richfield, KUST HD1 Moab, KCEU Price, and KUSU FM HD1 Logan. 